The following program is a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program. Mindful of your health. Sponsored by Emergence Health Network. Hi everyone, I'm Noreen Hadamio and you're with us on our EHN Mindful of Your Health podcast. Thank you for being with us. For the next 20 minutes or so, we are going to talk about a very important topic. September is Alcohol and Drug Recovery Month, but whether you're listening to this during the month of September or throughout the year, this is important information that you're going to want to know. So we have one of our experts at EHN here with us. We have Liz Arate, uh, your supervisor with our Substance Use Disorder Programs and also our Community Health Work health worker program, right? Yes, ma'am. Correct. Okay. So let's just start off with, as I mentioned, um, the awareness month, alcohol and drug recovery month. What is um, the most important message that you want to send uh, about recovery? I think the most important message is uh, knowing first and foremost that addiction um, really does not discriminate. It affects anybody from any socioeconomic status, uh, religion, race, ethnicity, gender, and then of course recovery is possible. Okay. Now it might be quite a journey to get there, but, but it's, it's doable, correct? Yes. Okay. So how is addiction related to, to mental health? Well, addiction is actually related to mental health in that they often go hand in hand. So what I mean by that is you can have a substance use disorder that leads to a diagnosis of mental health, and you can also have a mental health disorder uh, that may lead to substance use disorder. So they're co-occurring. Um, Often what happens is individuals that are have not yet been diagnosed with a mental health disorder often lead or go into substance use um, as a way of coping uh, with their symptoms. Is that another way of saying, because I've heard the term self-medicating? Yes. They, that's, they're like, okay, this is helping me, so I'm going to start doing this. Yes. And like you said, then it leads to other problems. Yes, ma'am. Exactly. Okay. If you're an individual who is struggling with addiction, how do you know when it's time to to seek help because and and I don't know you tell me I'm assuming part of that journey is no I can handle this on my own but at some point um, and I, I'm sure you know there's statistics to support that when you do um, get help um, success is is obviously better it's when it's time to seek help for addiction mm-hmm. is when there's multiple either work family or social problems so it may look like missing work excessively um, Mm. coming in under the influence still possibly of the substance Uh, family issues may look like having arguments with your significant other because you're not paying bills on time because you'd rather you know go have a drink or go buy your substance instead of paying you know the electric bill Uh, or just because you're going out more often and coming home under the influence of substances uh definitely another family issue um or another social issue could be getting into arguments with your your friends Mm -hmm. while you're under the influence or now hanging out with different um friends that are now using harder substances than before and so having that disconnect with your current friends that probably most likely wouldn't do that so that's an example um and of course things like um for youth it could be yeah. seen as, you know, a drop in grades, a drop in attendance, also hanging out with a different crowd than you used to before. And of course, the family problems that come with your parents finding out that you're under the influence. That you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that actually, that's um, that's interesting. I had heard 
the conversation about you know your family, but you don't think about it your friends. If your friends are noticing, hey, I don't like this behavior, um, I guess the individual adapts and then goes to find the people who are, are engaging in similar behavior. Yes, that's so that's correct. interesting. Okay, what does the process look like for someone? Um, they've realized, okay, it's gotten to those points, you know, where I've I've elevated. What is the process? What is the next next step? And what are the challenges that come with with seeking help? Well, I think the process, just most importantly, is that is to understand that it's not easy, right? As easy as um, for several reasons. Okay. Uh, one of the challenges we still face, of course, is stigma. Uh, for for some cultural stigma, uh, as Hispanics, we know that getting help for addiction can be seen as something that only weak people do, or something that mm. you know we don't talk about, we don't want to share, we want we, we want to keep that within our unit, our family unit. So that's one. Another stigma, of course, is self stigma. Okay. Um, the individual may be experiencing you know that embarrassment, that shame, that guilt of wanting to reach out for help. Um, and one of the most um, seen challenges we also have is. Uh, not knowing the resources that are available to them. Okay. What do those resources look like? And I know I'm sorry, I'm kind of going off here, but they come in multiple different forms, correct? So yes, we we have multiple different, um, we have recovery groups, we have individual and group counseling, we have medication assisted treatment, we have multiple other programs uh, okay. just that are aimed at helping individuals with the substance use disorder. Okay. And real quick, because you had mentioned something, you have individual or group for like, for a person who has finally taken that step that I'm going to get help, uh, would the thought of, of being in a group discussing this, is that kind of intimidating? Or, and how helpful is it? It could be intimidating, but it could also be very helpful once you've okay. broken that. I think it it's, all depends on the rapport that you're building while you're with that individual in therapy or mm -hmm. in counseling and just allowing them the opportunity to at least attempt to do group counseling because it is very beneficial to okay. be surrounded by other individuals that are going through that process so that you know that you're not alone okay. in this process. Okay, interesting. What does an individual need um, to get them on the road to recovery? And I know you've briefly talked about this, but like if you had to mention, I don't know, the top three or top four, what, what do you really need uh, to really start that journey? I think definitely um, to focus on yourself. Okay. To know that you're worth the hard work that you're gonna put into recovery because it's not easy, uh, but it is very doable, of course. Okay. Uh, focus on getting yourself a form of support whether it's family, friends, or even the agency that you're gonna seek assistance with, that can also be a form of support because not everybody has family or friends depending on where they are okay. in their addiction. Um, and of course, just the most important thing is being committed to yourself, to the process. Okay, all right. Um, so are some addictions worse than other? And I don't even know if there's an answer to that question. You know, that's just for my lack of knowledge in this area, but, um, you know, whether it be alcohol or maybe, you know, some of the other substances uh, out there. Um, is that journey a little harder for others? So that, that, that's a tough question. Okay. Um, there are different substances, uh, for example, heroin um, and alcohol that are physically very difficult to withdraw from. Okay. But of course, in the end, it's all really up to the individual and because no two are alike. And it just depends on that individual and what they're going through. So that's there's no this drug is harder, this drug is easier, because only that individual knows what they're going through and what they're experiencing, no matter what the drug may be. Okay. So there's no blanket statement for everyone no, to say, okay, you have this, this is how we're gonna fix it. No. It's kind of uh, works its way out. Yes. Okay. I wanna talk a little bit now about being the loved one or the friend that you know we mentioned of someone who is dealing with addiction. What message do we want to share 
with them because it does impact uh, family, uh, you know, and friends. You might lose a friendship. So what message do we want to share with them? I think there's a few things you want to consider. I think being patient with yourself and with your loved one, because again, it's not an easy task. Okay. Um, I think as a family or a friend or a loved one of the individual that's going through it is educate yourself about addiction. Um, do your research on what options are out there for helping them, right? Um, and possibly even reach out to those agencies prior to even speaking to your loved one, right? Um, letting them know that you're here to support them in their recovery yeah. and ask them also a lot of the times what we tend to do um, as a loved one or as a family member is we try to tell you like, oh, I know what you need. You need this okay. and you need because you want to help them. And you obviously you can see that there is a need for help for that person, but okay. it's not telling them what they need is asking them, what can I do to help you in this process? And I think that's a very important thing that we forget to ask. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Okay. And then start from there, too. OK, I like that. So uh, be a good listener and and support. Yes. Um, how difficult is that? Because, <laughs> because I mean, I know this whole thing is, is is difficult. This, you know, this this journey. But um, as a family member, you know, you've probably gotten to a point where you've had those fights that you're talking about. You've gotten to that level. Um, but it's it's they need your support uh, just as much as you know they need it from the the professional who's giving this help. Correct. Yes. Okay. Alrighty, go ahead. Did you no, want no. to elaborate? I said definitely not easy. If it was easy, I mean, you know, we would, we wouldn't be in some of the situations that our individuals are in, right? Including okay. family members. Got it. Okay. Um, how do you know as a loved one or a family member when it is time to step in? You you see this behavior is escalated to where you know uh, they chose to get their substance instead of paying the the electric bill, or you see the friends they're they're dealing with. Um, how do you know when to step in, and and how do you take that first step? I think that's exactly you, you said it and we mentioned it earlier is when you start seeing them, their life really falling apart, when they've essentially hit, and I don't like to say that, but rock bottom, when there's nowhere else to go but up, right, is when you jump in and you step in and you try to to be there for them. And that's when you try to help them getting those resources that, that we, we mentioned like a lot. Okay, okay. Do we have to wait till it gets to the rock bottom or is there things we could do before then to say, hey, you know, I, this is what I'm noticing. This is what I'm here. Let's start this journey. How, how do you do that? Goodness, no. You can start as soon as you start seeing any sign of, okay. of, of misuse or abuse in the individual. Because prevention, we also know works too, right? We don't want to wait till they're at rock bottom. We don't want to wait till, unfortunately, there's an overdose or anything. Something worse. Something worse, yeah. right? So, okay. no. Jump in as soon as you see it. How would that conversation look? Like, what, what would you say to that, that individual, how do you start that dialogue? I think it's knowing first, don't be judgmental, right? Um, don't 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 let them know, hey, just stop using, okay. don't do it. Um, if you don't know, a lot of drugs such as alcohol can be very dangerous to just stop using from one day to the next. So you definitely don't wanna do that. Okay. Avoid again, telling them what to do, but rather how can I help you? Starting that conversation with saying like, hey, I noticed that these things are falling apart around you. You know, I've noticed that your, your use of XYZ drug, mm -hmm. you know, is impacting your, your life. What can we do to help you? I've noticed that there's these programs. Again, do your research, right? Okay. Know what you're going to say before too, so that you don't just throw stuff at them without knowing what you're talking about a little bit okay. and just letting them know, hey, these are, these are some resources I found. You know, do you want me to help you uh, contact them? You know, can we do it together? Like, okay. or do you want to just do this by yourself? 
because that, that's also important for them too because sometimes they don't want you to be a part of it okay. because it's difficult, because it's embarrassing, because of the stigma we mentioned, right? The self-stigma. Right, okay. That's interesting that you said something. Um, you know, the first thing you would think is, well, just stop using it. But you're saying there are consequences and there's a right way to do it. So we need to, education is, is key. Yes, it's very important to make sure that we don't just have somebody stop using, depending on what drug they're using, because it could be danger, dangerous. Excuse okay. me. Okay. Thank you, Liz. That's mm -hmm. that's interesting. But I was going to say, what should we avoid uh, telling them? But you kind of mentioned that. You right. don't want to be judgmental. And there's certain things that you don't want to say, like, well, just stop. Yes. Right? It's no. not that easy. <laughs> okay. Um, what resources are available at, at EHN and throughout our community? Um, we have a multitude of different um, programs. Uh, at EHN, we have, of course, our Substance Use Disorder Community Health Worker Program, which is actually aimed at providing harm reduction materials, education, uh, meeting the individuals where they're at and helping them get linkage to those resources that are available. We also have, like I mentioned earlier, uh, medication assisted treatment, which offers medication uh, and to those individuals that need that kind of support that includes individual and group counseling as well. And of course, some other services that are attached to it. Mm -hmm. We also do have our partial and inpatient um, or our, excuse me, our intensive outpatient and partial mm -hmm. hospitalization programs, which are, the, are those programs that are a little bit more intensive for individuals that need a little bit more support. Um, we also have the outpatient programs okay. uh, that are aimed for adults, youth. Uh, we even have a specialized female program. Oh, okay. um, and of course, our community offers a multitude, a plethora of many other resources. Of all available. that information. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to dive in a little uh, on the community health worker uh, program that we offer. Because uh, a lot of people don't realize that that we have that program. What is, can you give us more details about that? Because you guys are literally, and your staff, literally, if it's 105 degrees outside or 70 degrees outside, you guys go out into the streets where a lot of these individuals are having these struggles, right? Yes, that's correct. We do provide street outreach, essentially outreach out in the community. And like you mentioned, for those individuals, we meet them where they're at. We offer them, of course, harm reduction materials to include anything that ranges from harm reduction kits to tents and sleeping bags. And of course, more information, um, for example, we also offer Narcan to these okay. individuals. Uh, we teach them how to, we educate them on how to um, not only administer it, um, but identify the signs of an overdose. Okay. And Because at that point, I'm sorry to no, interrupt, okay. but at that point when they're out in the streets, uh, they've kind of, I, I'm assuming they don't have that support that maybe other individuals might have, right? If they're at that, at that place in their lives. Yes, and that's what we try to be. We try to be that sort, that support system for them when there's nobody else around them, right? And so we try to link them with multiple different services. Um, of course, finding out where they're at, what they need. It's, it's a how can we help you, right? It's not a I think you need these things. It's how can we help you get to, to what you need, what you're looking for. We don't always get a yes, I want help right now, right? Okay. So do you find that when you make that initial contact that they do uh, go back to you guys and say, I'm ready? Yes, so we are proud to say that yes, uh, we do have individuals that our first initial contact, uh, we let them know what we do, what we're here to help them with. And we don't always get, like I tell you, yeah, uh, yeah I wanted to help right now, but we do find that they'll end up giving us a call maybe like a week later, two weeks later, but they still call us, they reach out. And then at that point, they, we, we are able to provide that linkage to services. Nice, okay, so you guys are definitely making a difference out there. Real quick, uh, we also have a program that's called OSAR. 
Yes. Uh, and that is out, uh, Outreach Screening Assessment Referral. Okay, and can you tell me about that? Quickly? Sure. That program has uh, licensed chemical dependency counselors that are on site and they do either in-house or telehealth services. Okay. Uh, they provide a screening and, an and or an assessment uh, and they are able to give a diagnosis. And once that does happen, they're able to provide linkage also okay. to treatment or to whatever services that individual needs uh, based on the screening and assessment that was provided. Okay. Uh, and they do follow-ups to to make sure that the handoff was good, that they did receive it, and if they didn't, how else can they help? Okay, and when we talk about screening and assessments, that's that's a conversation that they have with, with the individual to determine um, what their, their, their concern is, their issue, if there is an addiction or disorder there. Yes, for so it'll work that way where they're trying to see if they have a substance use disorder, okay. if they get a diagnosis, if they need that treatment, but also they, in the screening, you also identify other potential things. So like if they need mental health services, if they need a food pantry, if they need uh, supported employment, like a job. So they also identify all those other needs in that same screening slash assessment. Okay, perfect. And you had mentioned that we also have our partial hospitalization and intensive outpatient care. And basically that is um, where an individual, let's say for a week or two, will come in for seven hours a day. Uh, and it's kind of like, and I don't know the exact hours, but it's, it's more intense um, uh, help for them, correct? Yes, partial, yes, it's not, I, I'm not too familiar with also how many hours, it depends right. on hours, but yes, they do come in for a longer period of time because they need a little more support at the moment. Okay. Uh, usually that's a step down from being an inpatient. Yes. And so when they come out, they need that additional support to make sure that they're still on track, okay. that they still feel that they're supported throughout their recovery because it's not an easy task to go from residential to just be set out okay. into the environment. And I, I've also that. heard, and it's more than just visiting with your provider once a month. So it falls in that little category, so we make sure that we fill those gaps. And I also just wanted to mention that we do have these services for uh, adults and children, yes. uh, teenagers. So um, just so you know out there, th those resources yes. are definitely um, available. Okay, Liz, thank you very much. Um, before we go though, real quick, can we talk a little bit briefly, because uh, as you were talking about, I was mentioning it, the mental health component again. Um, even something as simple as uh, and not simple, sorry, that's not the correct word to use, um, as anxiety or depression, an individual might feel as though, oh, I can deal with this, I can handle this, or they don't realize that maybe anxiety is, is more than, than what they realize. And unfortunately, they do turn to substance and then it can lead to a bigger problem. But is it, it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, schizophrenia. I mean, we're talking about something as simple as, as depression or anxiety or stress or grief, right? That, that can lead them down that road. Yes, it can. It could be anything. Uh, and again, it's not simple, right? It's, it's really just whatever that individual is going through, uh, mental health wise, like you mentioned it, depression, anxiety, grief, um, PTSD, okay. right? They've just experienced something traumatic and they, they're like, I can handle it. I'll be fine. I just need some time. They start drinking. All oh, this helps. You know, this is easier. I can sleep um, better yeah. or whatever the case I is. I once heard at a training that I thought was important when people ask, you know, why do people use substances to cope with these things? And one of the things that I, that really stuck with me was, well, because they work. Oh. Because substances work. Because it's easy for me to just pick up an alcohol mm -hmm. and feel better about my anxiety or about the memories that I'm having yeah. from the traumatic event or other drugs, right? I use right. alcohol because it's like one of the most common that we, we hear about, but you know, 
And it's it's a lack of not knowing that there is help out there. There are other things that are healthy that can help you cope with what you're going through. You don't have to resort to yes. substances. Okay, perfect. I'm glad that we, we ended on that note because I think it's just really important because we think the extreme, but it, it really could be something, you know, losing a loved one and then little by little it turns into something. Okay, Liz, thank you very much. Uh, all this information that Liz provided is also on our website. Uh, that is emergencehealthnetwork.org. Um, and if you ever find yourself or a loved one in a, situ a situation where they need immediate help, we also have our crisis hotline. Um, you can call 988, that's a simple number to remember, or 779-1800. Thank you very much, and hopefully you found this information helpful as well. We'll see you next time. Thank you for letting us be mindful of your health. Brought to you by Emergence Health Network. We'll see you next time. The preceding program was a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program.